This is the first time since 2019 that we are having a real summer blockbuster season. There's about 43 by my count. The real question is, is there enough audience back in theaters to support all of these big franchise movies? Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Wednesday, June 14th. Today, Matt Bellany is here to talk about a creature that appears to be coming back from the dead, the summer blockbuster. Studios are betting that big franchise movies this summer will put butts in seats in movie theaters in a way the film industry hasn't seen since before the pandemic. And Matt dissects why Tom Cruise is grumpy with IMAX for choosing the new Christopher Nolan movie Oppenheimer over Cruise's newest Mission Impossible movie. We'll discuss all that and more on today's episode of The Powers That Be. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture, and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Happy Wednesday, everybody. I'm joined today by the illustrious Matt Bellany, who's taking a breather from his audio work at The Ringer to join me back here at the powers that be I, l- I listened to you on simmons the other day it's pretty cool yeah, man. That, was, that was a fun conversation right well not yeah. fun necessarily it was all about the cnn debacle but uh <laughs> it was it was fun to do it with him he's fun i just love that bill you know people think of him as the sports guy obviously but he cares so much about media and entertainment and he's just like really really in the weeds on some of the stuff and his enthusiasm for just chopping it up over this stuff is, is very curious kind of infectious. guy yeah. Which I think comes across, and that's what his many millions of fans love. <laughs> that's right. Matt, of course, I want to talk to you today about Hollywood, but specifically movies. And Katie and I, Saturday night, we're like, let's go to the movies. Let's go see a movie. Oh, no. Did you see Transformers? So check this out. So we're like, <laughs> again, we, we had just come back from our honeymoon. We're sort of like out of you know knowing what's going on. We thought there'd be at least one adult-focused drama or comedy. Oh, ho, ho. we open up. What's showing at the uh, AMC Marina? Marketplace 6. Uh, Spider-Man, Transformers, Elemental, The Flash, The Little Mermaid. Look, you know me. I'm not going to be like whining about Marvel and all these franchises or whatever, but there wasn't really like a single lane for us. Uh, and so we actually finally watched Air. We stayed in and watched Air, which I really liked. But these are all blockbuster movies, it feels like, or at least they're trying to be. Is is the season of the blockbuster back, the summer blockbuster? It is. I'm happy that you introduced that with a, a telling anecdote because you cannot <laughs> go to a multiplex these days without being inundated by the pre-pandemic style blockbusters. This is the first time since 2019 that we are having a real honest to God, summer blockbuster season. There's about 43, by my count, wide releases between May 1st and Labor Day. 
And that's about pre-pandemic levels. I mean, we are at one after another this summer. The movies are coming out each weekend. And the real question is, is there enough audience back in theaters to support all of these big franchise movies? Because Uh so far, we've had kind of mixed results, at least in this country. We had Guardians of the Galaxy, which has done actually really well. It's in the 800 millions now, but it's probably going to be the lowest grossing Marvel movie to come out early summer in a decade. Mm -hmm. Usually those movies do a billion, and it's not going to get there. We had Fast 10 do less than the previous Fast so far, and that one came out kind of mid-pandemic in 2021. We had Little Mermaid, which is doing fine in this country, but really, really suffered overseas and probably Hmm. will struggle to get to 500 million. And they thought that movie was going to do a billion. And there was some kind of racist backlash to the Black Little Mermaid overseas that Disney is contending with. And then this this past weekend, we had Transformers, which most people thought was kind of a dying franchise, but it opened to 61 million in this country and did fine overseas. And that franchise is kind of back now. So we're getting like these weird signals from the market. And the next couple weeks are going to be really key to whether the box office is back because we've got a Pixar movie, Elemental. We've got The Flash. We've got Indiana Jones 5. We've got a Jennifer Lawrence comedy, No Hard Feelings. And many people believe that comedies are really not for theaters anymore. And we're going to see with that one. But it's kind of a, an interesting and key moment in the history of movie theaters right now. On the comedy thing, I mean, Cocaine Bear was sort of a cult hit. We saw that in theaters. <laughs> no Hard Feelings looks like it's going to be this hopefully funny, like raunchy, R-rated comedy. We watched uh, on our flight back from our honeymoon, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which was really funny. Um, I heard that's good. It's It was really good, man. It was It was good. And it wasn't. It was just a funny Nicolas Cage movie with Pedro Pascal. It was just, it was good. And I'm curious if there's any momentum toward big R-rated comedies coming back in theaters, or am I just trying to make a narrative out of three? (laughs) I think you're trying to make fetch happen here because- Gotcha, gotcha. I think the common sense theory on this is that the pandemic kind of put the last nail in that coffin and that comedies are not seen as theatrical. There's a this No Hard Feelings movie is a huge test because you're putting a big movie star into a teen gross out comedy that they believe Sony hopes will elevate that into feeling theatrical. But uh-huh. for the most part, the comedies have been usurped by a lot of these comic book movies, which are very funny in themselves. And movies like Cocaine Bear, which are high concept kind of action-y comedies, but are ultimately comedies. Uh-huh. You kind of have to dress up a comedy as something else these days to make it work in theaters. You can't just do a straight comedy and expect it to generate an audience. At least that's the gotcha. thinking. Okay, so of those big franchise blockbusters that you mentioned which one is are people putting their money on to be like the biggest hit of the summer in theaters well i would have said little mermaid before it came out and that one like the 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 movie was review bombed in some countries where like racist trolls get in there and like what countries down like in asia in china and japan and korea 
And, you know, but it wasn't just there. It, it underperformed in a lot of markets. And Disney's really trying to figure out what happened because it, it's doing fine in the U.S. It is overperforming with African-American audiences, but and it is somewhat underperforming with white audiences, but it's doing huh. fine. It's the overseas numbers that are really cause for concern. And, you know, it's a troubling issue for Hollywood because there was this conventional wisdom for a long time, which ultimately was proven wrong, that black movies do not travel overseas. And then something like Black Panther comes out and does a billion dollars and everyone's like, okay, that doesn't, that's not true anymore. This is only going to add fuel to that fire. And I hope it doesn't because there are a lot of other reasons why Little Mermaid could be underperforming. Like it means something to millennial parents in this country that I'm not sure this movie does to other foreign audiences. So that could be another reason. But it's certainly not a good sign for the state of the human condition when people are review bombing a movie because it has a black lead character. That's but so that cool. one was that was the one I thought was going to be huge. I think something like Mission Impossible has uh-huh. a chance if there is a Tom Cruise effect, meaning people that went to Top Gun last summer and rediscovered Tom Cruise might show up in droves for this one. And that opens uh-huh. in early to mid-July. And the numbers on... Guardians 3, I don't know that there's going to be another movie that gets to a billion this summer. Like It's unclear whether any of them hmm. will get that far. But these numbers are all better than they have been the last three years, four years. Oh, yeah. Well, no, I shouldn't say that because there have been big hits in the past couple of years. I mean, last uh-huh. summer, the Marvel movie Doctor Strange 2 got to, I believe it's 900 and something. And obviously, Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers, which was released in April, got to 1.2 billion. So that's a huge win. But the problem over the past couple of years has been there aren't enough movies. Right. You can have a hit and do well in theaters, but there's not enough product to make the theaters feel like a viable business. And that's right. what needs to happen before these, this, this ecosystem can return to full strength. Well, Matt, uh, I want to take a quick break. I do want to talk to you and come back, though, about Tom Cruise, the aforementioned Tom Cruise, savior of the movies, going to war with IMAX theaters. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome back to the Powers of Be, everyone. I'm joined by Matt Bellany the best reporter in Hollywood today. Hey, Matt, actually, um, before I get to this Tom Cruise question, you were talking about The Little Mermaid, and that made me think about Disney movies. Um, We went on safari on our honeymoon, and whichever Disney exec or whoever, like, conceptualized that movie way back in the day, The Lion King. uh, Sure. Jeffrey Katzenberg. Go ahead. Jeffrey Katzenberg. Hey, Jeffrey, your puck reader and listener. Uh, (laughs) Jeffrey, you nailed it. When you're out there in in the bush, all these little groups, like, hang out together like they did... (laughs) In <laughs> The Lion King, which is like my favorite movie when I was little, like the zebras and the wildebeest and the birds are all palling around together because they're all prey and they all have different senses like sight 
and smell and hearing that can alert them to predators coming, and that's why they hang out together. Anyway, I learned a lot of that's great. Did they also did they also talk and sound like Matthew Broderick and Jonathan Taylor Thomas? They we couldn't get close enough to hear them talking, um, but we saw Mufasa. Uh, we didn't see Scar. We saw Mufasa. Um, okay. And the funny thing is, the safari guides were obviously like super well versed in this stuff. Some of them are trained hunters. They're just like excellent trackers, etc. They're the ones telling us all about nature. They refer to the bird that Zazu is based on. Literally okay. as the Zazu bird, <laughs> like because they know oh that like all the foreign tourists know that bird from The Lion King. I thought that was kind of cute. Anyway, Katzenberg's reach extends to Kruger Park. So look, Matt, when I was I actually read about this when I was over there, um, you wrote a piece about how all the IMAX theaters this summer are making a bet on Oppenheimer. And I mean, I want to see this Christopher Nolan movie in an IMAX theater. This is the one with Cillian Murphy and Florence Pugh and Robert Downey Jr., obviously based on Robert Oppenheimer. But that pissed off Tom Cruise. Why? Okay, so the big box office showdown of the summer is this opening showdown, Oppenheimer versus Barbie. Very, two very different movies that are opening on the same day in July. But the added wrinkle to this is that Oppenheimer, before it even shot a frame of film, Chris Nolan went to IMAX and said, I want to shoot this movie with IMAX cameras. He has a long relationship with IMAX. Uh They said, great, we love it. We'll give you a window of exclusivity where you're going to get all the IMAX screens for three weeks. And he said, great, love it. So they go off, he goes off, shoots his movie. Then due to some pandemic delays, the Tom Cruise movie, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, part one, longest movie title this summer, (laughs) That movie is then dated about nine days before Oppenheimer comes out. So the Cruise movie is going to debut in theaters, I believe, on a Wednesday. It's going to have nine or ten days to itself on IMAX screens. And then, due to this previous deal, it's going to have to give up all of these IMAX screens all over the world. And Tom Cruise was not happy about that. Even though he knew they walked into this with the date that they got, Cruise believes that he is the savior of the movie business. And Steven Spielberg even said as much. You saved the movies, he said last year, with Top Gun getting so many people back to theaters. And he believes that he's owed something from the industry. So he's been calling around. First, he tried to get the IMAX screens back. That was not going to happen. Chris Nolan, Universal, they were not going to give up those screens. Then he targeted what's called the premium large format screens, the PLFs. Those are like the Dolby screens or the Real D screens. These PLF screens are very lucrative because they charge more. And you can Uh make more money off of those screens. And Cruz knows that. And he also cares about the experience and he wants his fans to be able to see his movie on the biggest screens possible. So he's been like calling around town to other studio heads and exhibition executives in the theater industry saying like, hey, I'm Tom Cruise. Like give up your PLF screens to Mission Impossible. Barbie, you don't need these screens. Other movies like Indiana Jones that comes out before him, you don't need these screens. Give them to me so that my movie can be successful and we can help bring the movie industry back like I did last year. And that is an interesting pitch to be making to people this late in the game. It's pretty unprecedented. 
typically the studio distribution executives will do that. They will lobby for the better screens. It's very yeah. unusual for a producer and a star of his nature to be making those calls personally. Has Nolan responded to that? He is not. Nolan doesn't really care that much because he's got the IMAX. Um, He obviously wants the PLF screens as well, but he's sort of letting Universal wage this war for himself. And, you know, we'll see how it turns out and what the breakdown is on these screens because Barbie, Warner Brothers wants those PLF screens for Barbie as well. They have high hopes and the tracking for Barbie is actually higher than Oppenheimer. Barbie's early, early, early tracking was in like the 45 to 55 range. Oppenheimer is in the 30 to 35 range. And those could change based on marketing and how people feel coming up to the opening. But the argument by Warner Brothers is to these screens, our movie's going to be more popular. So give us your better screens. You'll make more money. We'll make more money. Yeah. And Cruz's argument is my movie's going to be more popular than both of your movies. So I should get those premium screens and everybody will make more money with my movie. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know very much about this industry, but I have a hunch that both Barbie and mission impossible will do better than Oppenheimer. That's the thinking person's adult movie. I want to see, which means it won't be a big hit necessarily. It's also three hours long and R-rated. That's what I was going to say. Like Nolan, man, like, he doesn't know how to cut these things down. I did think, though, you you missed Barbie earlier. Like, I don't know about the tracking, but just me observing the marketing of this film makes me think it's going to be huge. I mean, they've they figured out leveraging social media, especially like how to sort of tease this movie. And I feel like they've been teasing it for like a year. Yeah. So they have. I don't know Barbie's if that's like the studio or Mattel, but they're killing it. They, they are. And the question is, does the social media goodwill translate into people right. actually wanting to see the movie unclear you know there's lots of examples of movies that became memed and you know people kind of had fun with them online and then they didn't show up but it's a good thing for people to be talking about the movie especially a barbie movie that you know most conventional thinkers would see as a one quadrant movie the movie business is divided into four quadrants old uh-huh. young male female And Barbie is considered a one quadrant title because it skews younger and female. And in order to bring up those numbers, they want it to be moms and daughters that go. And they want maybe for this movie to turn into a date night movie where women bring their boyfriends or husbands. And if they can do that, they'll do very well. But, you know, Oppenheimer will probably not be the the winner of the opening weekend. But Nolan's movies tend to play much longer where they'll get three, five, seven weeks of top grosses, and it just doesn't quit. So we'll see. He's got a ton of fans, and it also depends on the reviews. The thing that Cruz is doing, Cruz is showing Mission Impossible quietly to these theater executives, Hmm. sitting them down and saying, you know what? See my movie. You make the call. What do you want to do after you watch it? And apparently it's great. People say that Mission Impossible is very good. And Nolan, at least as of a week and a half ago, had not been showing Oppenheimer to mm-hmm. the theater executives. So mm-hmm. they're having a choice to they're making a choice there based on Cruz being aggressive and showing the movie and a movie they haven't seen yet. But Nolan is, has a track record. So it's a, it's a tough choice mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Well, I'm excited for it because I had to watch Tenet on my home television during COVID. And I think I saw The Dark Knight, Interstellar, Dunkirk, and Inception all on IMAX. (laughs) 
Well, Nolan has a long relationship with IMAX, and of he's course, been of like course. the sort of unofficial brand spokesperson for them. But Cruise does too. You know, one yeah. of the Mission Impossibles, I believe, debuted in IMAX theaters a couple days before it was in regular theaters, which is a big deal. Fascinating. All right, Matt. Thanks for joining me, man. Come back soon. Anytime. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Ben Landy. See you tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Odyssey. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, Bob Tabador, and Ben Landy, executive editor at Puck.